Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 207, The Earth's Revealing Her Secrets. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you're in the world, you're welcome. It's good to be back with you. Today, we're diving deep into Mother Earth. She is at this time evolving just as we are. And as she does so, her energy, her DNA is getting activated like ours is, and various parts of her are being revealed, her secrets. And there's a lot of interest in what is being revealed at this moment, which I'll get into later on. I've always had a fascination with what I call the Earth's grid or the Earth's network, partly because I could always feel the energies. I could go to a place and from my feet upwards, I would feel the buzzing when I stood in certain places. Or if I used my non-dominant hand, I could trace lines of energy that crossed across a sacred path. I'm sure some of you can do the same thing. But let's just go slowly through what are these energy lines? What does this mean when we pick up energy, especially when it comes, as I say, up through our feet or into our hands from beneath us? Back in the 1920s, a gentleman called Alfred Watkins wrote a book, The Old Straight Track. And as an Englishman, he had seen that you could almost draw a straight line between many historic sites in Britain. And he thought, yes, there's a reason why those sites were built there. Not that the line was created after the sites, but the line was there and the sites were built on them. Now, we have people like Hamish Miller and Broadhurst who basically took those ideas one step further. And they said, yes. And they started seeing that there were what Alfred Watkins had called ley lines or spirit lines that crossed across the whole of the earth. And they particularly wanted to look at areas like the south of England. And they saw that there was actually a line from the north of France right through to the east coast of England. And not just one line, but two lines that were crossing each other. And they called them the Michael Mary line, seeing one as more masculine, one more feminine in their energies. And what they saw was that where these lines crossed, there were often churches built there. And not only were churches built there, which were often called St. Mary's or St. Michael, but the place where the lines crossed was actually the altar, where the priest stood. So what they knew and surmised that when the priest stood on a crossing of these energy lines, these ley lines, he or she would be empowered by that energy and therefore give the most amazing sermon. But if he or she stepped away from that, then their voice would come out fairly weak. And what was very interesting is that churches were built in a certain way where you'd have maybe the entrance at the east and then heading towards the west in the altar. And so there was a really specific understanding of the nature of the sunlight, how the sunlight affected us, the cosmos, 
etc etc these churches just weren't laid down and said okay we'll put a church here no someone understood all of this and this is what we now understand that the churches the religions have always understood earth energies but they've just never told us the secret so if you get the chance to go to maybe an older church if you're living in britain or somewhere else that you may feel this church has been around for a while if you can go up to the altar and just feel the difference in the energy and i often say that there may be this little rope that says do not enter and i suggest you might just cross over that very briefly so you could feel the way the energies cross because this is really what will alter you alter your state of reality and i have to say i'm taking that from freddy silver who talks about the altar was the place we were altered and then he also speaks about that as we enter in the into the church through the entrance we get become entranced i love that so the purpose of a building like a church like a temple was really to entrance us and alter us to an altered state of reality and it was often performed through incense sacred geometry music all of which are still very present but i can guarantee that most churches most religions don't actually again share that secret with the major of their congregation to keep it quiet maybe they don't know but those features of sound incense and geometry are found in some of the most ancient cathedrals in europe here their design was affected by the knowledge and the teachings of the knights templar that goes way back to the time of solomon the understanding that when you put those things together including the building bricks of the church so you may use something that has both a feminine energy like limestone and a granite energy which is more masculine and again i honor freddy silver for teaching this so when you create a building made of both feminine and masculine energies the masculine is the strength and the feminine is the invitation to lose yourself so often you find that softer stone being used inside so that you can lose your energy or feel comforted to open yourself up to those altered states and what were what are those altered states it was understood it was the mother church not the not the masculine it's the mother so you would go into a building and again it doesn't have to be a church it could be a temple it could be a synagogue it could be anywhere where you're just saying when i'm in this space i can feel nurtured and unity with the greater mother the divine whichever you want to call it and often that was achieved by us toning or singing and singing our prayers these are really important things to be happening and in ancient temples i've been in and buildings they'll often have a small cubby hole you might say and if you sound into that cubby hole and i remember doing this in roslin church in scotland but i've done it in different churches all around the world and temples you'll find that when you sound into one of those cubby holes literally it's shaped and created in order for you to hear your own sound so it's like a reverberation 
and that reverberation, that resonance with the building itself. So you're not making your sound, you're being sounded by the building. When you allow yourself to be sound or sung by the building, then you experience that expansion that that particular sacred geometry has for you. And this is what these buildings were made for. They weren't made for us to have cues and places where you sit and you'll listen to one person. They were never meant to be places that you sat down uh, in a row. You were meant to be singing and chanting and moving, dancing. And I saw that in some of the old Mayan churches or buildings where they got rid of all the chairs and they said, just sit anywhere. And they would do their rituals, their shamanistic rituals in the middle of a, what I would say is a Catholic church. And I remember in one particular church, they'd been told by the Catholic church that they, they had to come inside a building to pray. They couldn't be out in nature. And they said, but that's where our church is. It's, it's in the trees. It's, it's with the birds. They said, oh, no, no, you've got to come inside a building. So they said, okay, we'll come inside that building. But what they did is they brought all the trees with them. And you literally were going to this church and it was just full of trees. Some of them were alive. Some were just branches. Uh, some of them had different animals in there. <laughs> but it was like, okay, we can live inside this building as long as it doesn't limit us to the God that we know exists in the wild and amongst nature. And finally, just around those Gothic churches, they often had an entrance, which was shaped like a Vesica Pisces. And a Vesica Pisces is where two circles come together, where the circumference of one circle goes through the center of the other, creating what we call an oval shape, a fish shape. This is the sign of Christianity. But long before that, it was a sign of unity consciousness. So when we pass through that oval shape, of the church, we're actually again entering into unity with ourselves. Now, we won't get too lost in the fact that the church was there, but if we come back to remembering, those churches were specifically built in places where the earth energies were really powerful. So again, where maybe ley lines crossed. But this then moves us into another place where we understand that there is energy running under the ley lines which is not just following straight lines. It often just passes across an area. This is being called telluric energy. I also like to call it serpent or dragon energy. And the Aborigines in Australia would walk these lines, walk with this path, not always in a straight line. And they would say they are singing the energy alive. I love that. So that when we walk a path, and some of you might have done the Camino or others, part of it is ley lines, part of it is telluric, it doesn't matter. But what you're doing is bringing this energy into life. You're activating the energy by singing and walking the energy. So it was never meant to be a sad journey. It was meant to be a joyous journey. What, is, what are you being sung? What's singing through you? That's really what the message was. And so if we look at this telluric energy, it will just rush across the land. But if there are any areas where, which are circular, like a mountain, a lake, a well, a tree, 
then like a serpent, it will like to curl up inside it. And for us women, it's within our womb. So I just wanted to say there's a great reverence towards bringing that energy into our womb, into our heart for everyone. But we go back to the land. What happens is that you will find that this energy, which is even more powerful because the dragon energy is very creative energy, will be much more intensely felt in areas such as mountains, lakes, wells, etc., or a group of trees. And this is where you often found fairy forts or groups of trees that the Irish revered because they knew the, the fairies were there. And often they would say, don't knock down those trees, otherwise you'll disturb the fairies. And I see that in around the land. You say, why did that tree or that group of trees never get knocked down? People understood this was a sacred place. It draws the energy in. So if a farmer wants their land to be abundant, he will plant a tree and that as the energy is rushing across his fields, it will start to circle around the tree. And therefore his land around that tree will become more abundant. And that's why, in, especially in Britain, that you often find what we call a standing stone, a menhir, just one stone, one tall stone in the middle of a field. And it was the understanding that if you just put that stone there, again, often around one, the energy will stop just flowing across, just dashing off to somewhere else, and you will find abundance. Now, you can understand, and I think you're probably a few steps ahead, saying, well, that's why they built some of the temples and the pyramids. Absolutely. So we have natural places where the energy is gathered, such as mountains, and then there were times where we would actually build a pyramid or a temple in a certain place to hold the energy, to intensify the energy. Now, what were these special places? So what is also known, John Burke's work really helped me in this, is that if you have a place where not only is the energy flowing through, often related very strongly to underground aquifers, water sources, just want to put that in, most of these sites are near a water source because water carries that energy, Again, the serpent energy likes traveling through the water. But you also find a piece of land that above that water or around that water is isolated. And what I'm talking about is somewhere like the Giza Plateau. The plateau is different from the rest of the land or a peninsula or an island or where two different types of geology have come together to cause what they call a magnetic anomaly. You often find that in places that have been volcanically affected. So wherever there's been a volcanic eruption, or certainly in the very far past, but the land has now created this sort of magnetic anomaly because the surface of the earth was actually distorted or disturbed. So when you have that combination, the water, the magnetic anomaly, the land being in a certain way, and then you might find that there's also different ways that water may be on the surface, like around the, the Nile was always around the pyramids in earlier days. Or you may find that there are different shifting winds that are very strong. All of that comes together to say, this is what will hold that energy from just rushing across the land. And once we've stopped the, the energy just rushing across the land, we then find ourselves able to start to harness that energy 
and hence the creation, as I say, of something like a temple or something like a pyramid. So you build that with, again, with crystalline products often, something that's got quartz in it, so the quartz holds that energy and, and trans, transputes it, transmutes it and transfers it. So crystals, water, magnetic energy, all held within a building, which then can either enhance or send that energy out into space, or it can enhance the land around it, or create alteration, mind-altering experiences for anybody within it, all enhanced again by geometry, sacred geometry, specific sacred geometry, sound, and sometimes ayahuasca or peyote or some sort of mind-altering drug plus incense. And this is what we're starting to understand. It's not about the, the building itself. It's the building was created in order to function in a certain way that the people of that time wanted. Some of them wanted to increase the energy. Some wanted to create, create somewhere where they could go out into space or experience um, immortality. This is the idea of Egypt and many others that when we build that energy through certain circumstances, we create a portal to other dimensions. Now, following that thought, I'm going to talk a little bit about portals. Now, a portal is a stargate, uh, an entry to another place. And not all sacred sites are portals. Some of them, as I say, may just be holding energy. Some of them may be producing energy. But portals can occur, especially, again, where the, there are these magnetic anomalies, where the water is. And so a portal can be in a group of trees. A portal can be in a group of stones. If the circumstances are right, the energy entrances us. Once again, I'll use that word. We are changed by the energy. And I'm sure you've all had that experience. You've gone to a certain place and maybe time stands still or maybe time goes very quickly and you go... Wow, I can't believe I've been, I thought I was only here for 15 minutes and it's two hours now. Where did I go? So in these places, it doesn't only alter us, it alters the time-space energy around us. So we can almost see ourselves in a different place. So I often have found myself, and I say often, but if I go to a sacred place, I can find myself slipping through that timeline or away from that particular timeline that I'm living on into a different space, into a different time and, and meet the beings who have also been in this one place at a different time. And that's fascinating to do that. I remember being in a particular forest and asking who was the guardian of this forest and can I pass, which is always very important in a sacred site. And I saw in front of me, and again, you might say, well, did you see it with your physical eyes? No, I saw it with my inner eyes, but this very large Druid woman. And she said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just asking for permission to enjoy your forest. And she said, fine. And we had a little conversation. Did everybody see her? No, because she was my reflection. She was something that I wanted to connect to. Other people see other things. So around us, when we get to these special places, when the energy is right, and we are in a place of openness, which I always suggest is like being a curious, innocent child. This is why I'm always helped by that. 
When we're too serious and we want to see something, it won't happen. When we actually stop trying to do something or stop trying to see it, it occurs. So there are portals all over the world, and you may know those that are in your area. And these portals aren't necessarily always traveling to somewhere, as I'm saying. They're literally a place where you are changed by the energy. And that's what's fascinating. In other words, I didn't move from where I was. Time changed. Everything is happening in one space. So historically, that one space where you live at home, where you like to go for a walk, many, many beings from the past and the future have walked that same space. So when we get out of our heads, it's this year and I need to be doing this, we can slip into these different time spaces or parallel lives and experience ourselves meeting other beings who have used that same space. Now, up to now, what we understand is those portals have been taken care of by different beings, or we could say different ET groups, star seeds. I've talked about those. But now we need to take care of them. And that means that we need to grow up. <laughs> we need to now be at a level where we're not going to misuse these energies. And this is taking me to that next point is it's our consciousness that is awakening the earth. It's not that she's asleep. Let me put it in a different way. What I know from my, my own inner being is that I was someone who understood these grids way, way back in time. And that I know that these grids and what occurred around them were the potential of these grids or the potential of the meeting of these places, the portals, would stay in a stasis state or a sleeping state until someone came who had a certain consciousness, which is a certain code or password, to wake that portal up. And it didn't mean that that portal was necessarily going to stay awake. In other words, I might see something that other people don't see, and once I've left, it goes back to sleep again. And I've seen that several times in my life, where I remember going to Machu Picchu for the first time, and I know the first time I saw it was that I knew it once when it was all inside the earth. Sounds strange, but if you've been to Machu Picchu, and you see all those buildings. I knew it when all those buildings were still within the earth. And I also know that there are places I've been to and I've taken people to where there's a passageway, a stone passageway, you know, into a site. But I know that the quartz crystal in those passageways are reading me in order to know what it is that should be revealed to me. And that's how I think our world is working. Again, I've talked about holograms. It's very much about, I will only see what my consciousness is ready to see. And we've seen that in crop formations. Someone will say, did you see that lovely new crop formation? And someone said, no, I, I, I came by that path or that, that farm and I never saw anything in the fields. So you can only see where you want, what you were going to see. And the more of us that see it, the more it becomes a reality. The story of the hundredth monkey. So only when one monkey can do it, nothing happens. But when a hundred monkeys see it or know how to do something, it becomes a reality. And that's where we're at. So even though I may see something as someone else doesn't, the more I describe it to you, the more potential you have of saying, oh, I can see that as well. So this is what's changing.
Now, the other thing about a portal is that it will test us as to what part of us is actually appearing. So if I'm coming from a desire body, if I'm coming from a, I need to see this, I need to tell everybody how wonderful I am, I've seen this, it probably won't be the right code. Oh, we'll see something. What I know is that we're often tested as to, is there a connection? Do, am I attached to the result? Am I coming with true unconditional love? Which means, have I already got a bias as what I want to see or experience? So the more I'm unattached to what I'm experiencing, and unattached ego-wise especially, the more it's likely to appear. Once again, I've seen that in different sites. I remember seeing a mosaic in Ephesus in Turkey, and you walked along the mosaic, but at a point it changed the type of mosaic. And what I watched is that people just walked from one end to another and never saw the shift. There's often a test to say that if you walk from one end to another, or from the bottom of the temple to the top, and you don't notice that there is a shift, then you're probably not ready. Because all your gain is, is I want to go from this place to this place, that's all I'm important to, or what's important to me. And I see that in many sites. If our only interest is how quickly can I climb this, or how far can I go, we've already shown that we are not interested in something that is in mystery, we're just interested in our own goals. And that is the, the idea of the portals. So I want you to understand that there are portals or stargates everywhere. You, basically, we go through portals in our sleep state, so we enter into another place. So portals are also within us, they're in our DNA. So every time we open up another part of our DNA, we're opening up another portal. The portals within our chakras, you could say our chakras are portals. But they're also out there in the world. And all I can say is have a chance to go out, feel what resonates with you, what's magical. And often it will be something that's circular. I have to say a lake, a pond, a, a well, a mountain, a group of trees, because that's where the energy is most powerful. And I just want to say this before I move finally into space arcs. There is a lot of information, as you have heard me say, about changes that are happening to this planet. That we are getting ready maybe for the big one. Something going to happen. Magnetic reversal, something hitting us, or just the fact that this galactic energy is coming into our planet and changing everything. And I wanted to add this in because I've been watching people who are telling us how to be if there was a disaster, but not owning up to the fact that they know that they've already built bunkers into the earth. Many of the stars, politicians, the people who've got money are already digging into Mother Earth and have built different structures into the earth so that they can survive. And I say that because some of what Mother Earth is revealing to us are deep, deep caverns and passageways that have been there for thousands of years. So some of these individuals know about these passages and some of them are building their own. And when you go to a place where you know these passages are, for instance, places like Malta and Gozo, it is believed that the deep passageways there pass all the way up to Italy. And then where I'm going to in, in Turkey, Cappadocia, again, 
very, very strong energies. Again, people living underground for a period of time because of their survival issues, but they survived down there, one group after another. And what we're understanding is places like Edessa, huge caverns underneath. And what we know is that whenever a country is taken over, the first thing that the invaders often do is to go into the caves, into the caverns, to go deep, because that's where the riches are. That's where the treasures have been buried. Sometimes for thousands of years after there was a disaster on the surface. And sometimes it's because that's where the secrets are. This is where I'm moving into space art, but my last thing about these uh, stars, Hollywood stars who are telling us to eat insects or which have 75% of parasites in them or drink toilet water or whatever. This is them saying, hmm, this is lovely. I can guarantee what they've stored in their bunker is not insects and toilet water. So please don't be persuaded to do something that they have no intention of doing long term because what they already understand is that the importance to survival is as has been shown over thousands and thousands of years, is either go deep into the water, deep into the caves, or high up in a mountain. This is why we have stories like Shangri-La or Shambhala or, or seeing aircraft or spaceships coming out of the water. So this takes me to the space arcs. And what is a space arc? A space arc, we're now beginning to understand, is at a time of survival, the beings have created an ark, just as we learn from the Bible about Noah creating an ark. But this isn't a wooden ark. This is actually more like a spaceship. And people describe it as being having a round top or a glass top, something, something that just has no surfaces to it, but it can survive. And all our governments know of these space arcs, and they are all around the world. And once again, some of the arcs are becoming activated by our government or our secret services or etc. And it's a question of who owns the knowledge, because in an arc is actually a library. Some of the libraries have seeds in them, some of them have history in them, some of them have knowledge of our answers, etc. And what I've been reading is that there is a huge arc in Ukraine, there's one in Russia, there's one in China, um, there's one in the Bermuda Triangle, there's, you know, they're all over. And I would just say to you is they aren't limited, but we're not being told that these arcs are there. And these arcs are once again being captured or taken. And really it's a question of the intention of these people who are actually gathering them or, or opening them up. And I think that I'm just pleased about because just because you can find an arc, if you try to open it with the wrong consciousness, it will shut itself down. They have been encoded to only open themselves and be reveal what they carry inside them when humanity has reached a certain level. And that level comes from our inner consciousness that may be sounded, it may be spoken, maybe from the palm of our hands, mapping out something that's written there. But more importantly, it's what is the consciousness we're carrying. 
I hope this has helped to give you a much broader picture of what's going on. Things are happening very quickly. And I believe there are enough of us who are waking up in a really conscious way where we want the best for all of humanity, not just ourselves individually. But you, like me, may have been someone who remembers creating these, who may be a code breaker, someone who remembers how to open these places. And I've certainly enjoyed that privilege over many, many years now of being taken to a place, not necessarily knowing what I was going to do, because again, that has intention, but being willing to do it, to be the password. And I know that many of you out there have that same gift. Watch out for information about these space arcs. Watch out for where people are invading each other because there's always a purpose behind that invasion that probably has very little to do with the people. Until next time, many blessings. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the archive podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.